0: We're going to be in Psalm 4, verse 4, and Ephesians uh, 4, 26, and 27. So every time I fill in for a pastor, I don't really usually know where they're preaching from or what they're doing. And so it's kind of a, what do I preach? Uh, and so I tend to stick with like something I'm studying and... Uh, something that God's working on me, or something to that effect. And so when he, uh, when Jeff asked me to preach, I was like, this is going to be interesting. Uh, I'm reading a couple of books on anger. And I titled this message, You Have an Anger Problem. Now, has anybody ever been told to have an anger problem? Anybody want to admit that somebody has told them they have an anger problem? Uh as I study this and as I look at these things, I have come to the conclusion that uh, I'm going to say 90% of the United States has an anger problem. Uh, those people that are usually nice and calm are typically not nice and calm on freeways. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you all laughed. Uh, but these two verses are actually very well-known verses, um, uh, three verses, I guess, and um, I didn't realize that this was in the Psalms as well as in the New Testament. So I'm going to read the verses, uh, Psalm 4, verse 4. Uh, It says, I'm I'm reading the NIV, and I actually prefer the King James Version on these, and I'll tell you why in a minute. There's a reason I'm using the NIV. But uh, Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. And then Ephesians 4. Evermore. Verse twenty six says, "In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give a devil, uh, give the devil a foothold." Now, I apologize. I heard pages flipping as I was reading, uh, but I'm going to ask that you pray with me. As a Father God, I just ask that you would speak to us this morning about anger. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you would be glorified, that you would hide me behind the cross and that your words be spoke. Lord, that uh, if there's anything that comes to my mind that you don't want to come out my mouth, that you would stop it uh, and only your words be spoken. Lord, I just uh, thank you and praise you for the blessings and the freedoms that we have. Just ask that you uh, uh, just minister to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so... I have an anger problem, you have an anger problem, I've titled this, You Have an Anger Problem. We have a two texts, and I actually believe that the text in Ephesians is a quote from the Psalms. And uh, one of the reasons I like the King James here is in the King James, this text says, Be angry and sin not. It's, it's pretty plain. And I think that is actually a better translation, because when you dive into this, there are two Um, commands in both of these texts. Two commands and it it might shock you. The first command is be angry. Now think about that. Now uh, there's a meme out there that says do you realize that the idea what would Jesus do within that uh, making a cord and running people out of the temple is within that realm. Now Jesus got angry. It says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we have been, yet without sin. And yet, Jesus was angry. And if you read that uh, uh, incident in the book of John, it says that he made a uh, whip out of cords and then ran them out of the temple. So he stood back and kind of looked at what was going on and ran them out of the temple. And yet he didn't sin. And here we have our, our first command to be angry. What are the things that we get angry about, though? Let's go to the freeway. We tend to get angry when somebody cuts us off in traffic. We get angry when somebody's following too close. That is my pet peeve. I do not care who you are. If you pull up on my bumper and I cannot see your headlights, you'll meet my bumper. Uh, it just I'm working on it that says I have an anger problem. We tend to get angry over some of the dumbest things. And, and in all reality, that when we look at the things we get angry about, they really make no difference. And we could go on with, just in traffic, the things that annoy us. We don't like that somebody's got a book on their steering wheel and, and that angers us, or a newspaper, or their phone, I counted, I I was doing some projects at home one day. I I live in Stott City, 10 miles from Mount Vernon, and I knew I was making multiple trips this day to get things done. And the first trip in, I began noticing, it seemed like everybody had a cell phone in their hand as they're driving down the road. So I began to see how many people were driving with a cell phone in their hand. It didn't matter if it was here or if they're looking like this as they're driving. You figure that's a cell phone. And then I started counting how many didn't have phones because that was easier. And I was dumbfounded that there was only like two or three in five or six trips to Mount Vernon and back that didn't have a phone in their hand while they drove. And I just take the outer road. I'm not on the interstate, so I'm seeing less vehicles... And that made me angry. (laughs) But does it, did that have any effect? We have a command to be angry, but what are we to get angry over? Now, there's a lot of things that I think in this world that we should get angry over. So, uh, we might get angry over abortion. I believe that uh, with all my heart that the scripture is very clear that abortion is sin. And is uh, goes against what God desires. He he says that he hates the hands that kill innocents. That would be a child in the womb. That, you can't get any more innocent than a child in the womb. We ought to be angry over how much that goes on in our country. The uh, there's a movie out, uh, The Sound of Freedom. Anybody seen it? Child sex trafficking. We ought to be angry over that. It ought to be something that we just makes our blood boil to think. I heard a story here recently uh, coming from a child. uh, It was a group that had actually started a home for children coming out of this uh, life. And and they were being saved out of this. Up in St. Louis... St. Louis or Kansas City, but they were saying that one of the first children that they brought in was a two-year-old. Two years old that had been sold by that child's own grandmother. And as they dove in, what they found is the grandmother had called CPS on the mother, gained uh, that grandchild of hers because the mother was selling the child. And then the grandmother went and did the same thing the mother was doing. For two years, this child had been getting sold at two years old. Why is there even a market? That, I I'm glad to see that I'm seeing some of his blood boil. That means that as Christians, we are to be angry, and that, that type of thing ought to just drive us batty. That ought to do more to us than somebody getting on my bumper. There are other things that could, uh, I think we ought to be getting angry over. The number of uh, churches that are becoming mm, anti-Christian. We'll, we'll say that. Anti-Bible. It, it dumbfounds me that there are churches that would say that this book... The Bible, God's holy word, is really just a old fashioned storytelling book. Then what's the purpose of the church doors being opened? Well, I can tell you that a lot of them are focused on just them. It's make yourself better. And that oughta as Christians anger us. But what does that mean for us to get angry? What why would God give us a command to be angry, for us to move in a direction to do something about it. His people are, are, were created, we were put in place, and He has called us to stand on His word and proclaim His gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make changes towards these things that should make us angry. It says, be angry and sin not. So the question uh, that people like to ask me uh, is, so is it okay to bomb a, an abortion clinic? Well, that would probably fit into the be angry, but sin not. Be angry, but sin not. Jesus has given us the freedom, the abilities to, yes, get angry, but control that emotion in such a way that we don't sin, but we move in a way that changes the things that we see. We stand against the things that that make us angry. We voice out that it is wrong and we do the things like the man in uh, uh, Sound of Freedom where he changed his whole route of what he was doing so that he saved children and not put away pedophiles. He was doing both. There's a question that stood out to me in that movie at the very beginning. One of the guys that he worked with looked at him and said, how many pedophiles have you put away? And he gave him a number. He was proud of that number. I put hundreds of pedophiles behind bars. How many children have you saved? And at the time he said zero. He had not saved a single child. The anger that boiled up inside of him after that question changed one thing that he did. And he began to go beyond arresting the pedophile and saving children. And to this day, he still is out there saving children. I don't know if you know You should look up Operation Underground Railroad. That's what he heads up. And, And those guys are all over the world infiltrating the deepest, darkest people to save children. We have people that are willing to stand in front or around abortion clinics to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that are going in to kill their babies. And the question then comes, if I get angry over something, what am I doing? What are you doing? Without sinning, to still change the outcome. The second uh, command is to not sin. That's a hard one. It's easy to get angry. We, we can sit in our homes... And just think about things. And make ourselves angry. And we can begin to boil. Just sitting. Thinking about things. But that. Don't sin. Be angry. But don't sin. Ouch. I think that has a broader. uh, Teaching. Than just getting angry. And not sinning. But that. Our whole life as Christians is watched by non-Christians, and they're going to—they're trying to find something. Oh, you think you're so righteous because you're helping uh, children, but you do this over here. I believe what that is saying is we—I don't believe that we can be sinless this side of heaven. So don't get me wrong. Don't try to twist my words or anything, I'd be sinning. But uh, nobody laughed at that, but okay. So, but that's the thing is, uh, I don't think we can be sinless this side of heaven, but I do believe we can live such a life that when somebody is trying to find something, they have a really hard time to do it. And that's the way I believe every Christian ought to live. And I think that's what Jesus is, and Paul, uh, Jesus is teaching through Paul, that we are to be angry, but we are to live a life that those that are trying, that they are watching us every second of the day, every uh, hour of the day to try and trip us up, they want to be that stumbling block in our life, make it hard for them. Live a life that says, Jesus is who I'm focused on and that's where I'm going to stay the last little thing that I've got in verse 27 of Ephesians 4 it says and do not give the devil a foothold do not give the devil a foothold and that, this is a picture of somebody knocking at a door like i kind of picture these salesmen of old that used to go door to door knock on the door and you open the door to see who it was and they stick their foot in the door and I, now you got to listen to them cuz you you can't walk off or they've got the whole house. you got to either sit there and hold that door against their foot, trying to close it, but they're going to try to sell you something the whole time. This is what he's saying, is don't give Satan a foothold. Now, uh, I think it's, it, well, just last week at, at church I attend, I, I'm an associate pastor at Summit. I preached that we and said, don't give Satan too much credit. This says, "Don't give Satan a foothold." But I tend to believe that. Well, I know that Satan can't be everywhere. Unlike God, God can be everywhere. He knows my thoughts. He he knows everything about me. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets that sometimes I don't even know. But Satan don't. Until it's verbalized, he doesn't know anything about me. Until he sees something, he doesn't know anything. And Satan cannot do anything without permission from God first. We see that in Job. I believe that when you look at the book of Job, one of the things that every Christian ought to get out of that is Satan's not going to touch you until God says it's okay. And that, to me, means that Satan is just a, a tool in the hand of the master. Just another tool. And yet we so often give Satan a lot of credit and talk about how powerful he is and how scary he is and and all of this and in all reality as Christians he's nothing for us to fear but I tend to think that more often than not most Christians aren't even attacked by Satan I think we're attacked by some lower demon Satan can't be everywhere and he wants to attack the ones that are making a difference. He's, he's going to attack the ones that are making a worldwide difference. But that doesn't mean it can't be me or you, anybody in this church. See, a lot of times we look at the outside of a church building, because this is just a building. You all are the church. And we determine that this is a small church. It is crazy that y'all did over a 100 shoeboxes. That's awesome. That's a worldwide change in the life of a child. But what happens when we take our focus off of Jesus? Because really what this is, what's happening is when we get angry and we do sin, or when we make it easy for those that are always watching us to find sin, that's when we give Satan a, a foothold. And and all he needs is a little bit of his foot in the door, and then he can squeeze whatever he wants through the door. Yeah. After Josiah had his wreck, uh, and everything began to somewhat settle, and he was back home, we started getting all kinds of sales pamphlets for attorneys. <clears throat> you know, and I was thinking, you know, if if those attorneys were door-to-door salesmen, they'd be sliding these little things under the door. Now they just put them in your mailbox. And it just dumbfounded me, the number of them that we got and the money that they spent on them. We got one that was an actual like uh, video. You'd hit, get on there and you hit a play button and watch him sell himself as an attorney. And I'm like, that's probably a $100 ordeal right there. <laughs> and... They're putting those in our mailboxes trying to sell that to us. Well, Satan does the same thing. He he sits back and he waits till we do something and he sticks his foot in the door and starts slipping things through because the only way he can get us to falter is by whispering something in our ear. He he can't force us to do anything. He can't, but he knows that a little whisper in the ear can go a long way. And he may tell uh, this minion, go, go tell him this. Go whisper this. Sooner or later, that anger boils. Remember, we just got to sit there. We just got to sit at home and we get angry. And a lot of times, I'm going to say 90% of the time, we do what is wrong with the anger. See, the reason I say that we all have an anger problem, or I believe 90% of our country has an anger problem, is because anger can go two different ways. It can be like mine a lot of times where I let things get to me over time and then I boil up and explode. And then I hurt people's feelings and, and things like that because I don't pay attention to what's coming out my mouth. Or it can be the like the people that just don't get angry ever, it seems like. And they're calm, cool, and collected on the surface, but it's boiling up on the inside and the way that they deal with it is they just don't do anything. I think both of them are sin because uh, when I look at this and I think of Jesus and what he did in the temple, his anger moved him to do something. What's your anger moving you to do? What's our anger drawing us toward? Hopefully it's closer towards Jesus. Jesus. But is it giving us a greater desire to say, "This"? let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. You know, <clears throat> I wasn't sure if I was going to share this or not, but I'm going to kind of as closing. My son uh, is 20. And probably uh, me and my wife's greatest uh scare was him buying a motorcycle i never thought he was very good at paying attention in a car much less a motorcycle and september 2nd was my birthday and i'm getting up and getting ready to go to work and we get the call from the highway patrol that -hmm. he's been in an accident and they're airlifting him to springfield we get to springfield they end up airlifting him to st louis and um, all we know is he's got a tear in his aorta, and they can't even do any of the surgeries till they take care of that. And so, it was easy to get angry, but there was that peace in all of this that God was doing something, and we began to sit back down, uh, Sarah and I, and for him to be alive was a miracle. But somebody there with a to- laying on a. Highway 97 with a tear in their aorta and pelvis broke in four places and both forearms snapped in two and it was a miracle, he was alive. He was awake, he was able to talk through the whole thing, to me that was a miracle. One of the things that immediately crossed my mind because Sarah and I are um, heavily involved in a uh, drug rehab program. Uh, Helping those men uh, stay clean is uh, the drugs that they were going to have him on are highly addictive. They had him on oxycodone and uh, morphine for a while, and I had seen what that did and prayed every day, Lord, help him. He's a much stronger kid than I ever was. After his final surgery in his pelvis, two days later, he took himself off all of his pain meds. And he's not been on a pain med since. And that's a miracle to me that I got to see God do in his life. it been easy to get angry sitting there. But what would have done me any good? I would have missed the miracles that God was doing in my son's life, I'd have missed the work that God was doing around me at that time. And I truly believe that today, so many Christians are missing the work that God is doing around them because the anger's blinded them. And instead of doing something proactive, something to glorify God, they're missing it. And in that, we're missing people that are lost. We're missing opportunities to share the gospel with those that are going to die and go to hell. That, that young lady that pulled out in front of my son, as far as I know, is lost. But I pray that one day this will open up an opportunity that we get to share the gospel with her. But what I do know is this has opened up the opportunity to share the gospel with multiple other people. And had I been so angry... I'd have been blinded to those opportunities. And we are blinded every day when we take anger the wrong way and do the wrong things with it, and we miss those opportunities. The greatest thing that Jesus, the greatest miracle that Jesus will ever do in a person's life is recreate them. Make them a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, He that is in Christ is a new creation. That is a miracle that God does in someone that is lost and makes them his child. And it's all because Jesus died upon a cross, was buried, and rose again that that's even possible. Jesus freely, it just dumbfounds me all that went into my salvation. Because Jesus spoke everything into existence thousands upon thousands of years ago, I don't believe in the millions upon millions, but thousands upon thousands, spoke everything into existence, including the tree he would hang on, including the hill that he would die on, including the people that would put him there, that would physically place him there. And when it came time, he freely came into this uh, this world and became the lowest person that could walk the earth born in a manger where animals are fed and cared for the king of kings and the lord of lords put himself upon a cross gave of his own life but even though I get angry and use the wrong thing do the wrong things he still died for me and the greatest thing is is he died for each and every one of you as well I'd like to have a Invitation. I don't I don't know where you all stand with Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing Jeff does. But I don't. So I'm going to say, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. We're not promised another minute, another second. And if you've ever had an incident, like my son on a motorcycle, or as I heard earlier, a tree falling on a camper, you know you're not promised another second. So if you don't know Jesus, He he says make that first movement and come to Him this morning if you would.